0: It is fundamental that we connect to the mission and purpose of the founder of the brand, right? And so, yes, they propose which circle they'd like to be in. It's really, I would not put someone in a different circle without talking to them if they basically said they are interested in Black-owned, but they, we thought they are also a good sustainable brand. We do have a situation where they propose they join the Shop for Good circle. They don't even have an about section, you know, to explain their sustainability or their various, you know, commitments to charity. And so that we, then we just would just assign you to the Entrepreneurs Network.
1: this is evolve cpg a community of purpose-driven brand leaders who not only believe in better but actively pursue it That's better products better brands and better leadership for a better world join our online community where we're going further faster together at community.evolvecpg.com i'm your host gage mitchell founder and creative director of Modern Species, a sustainable brand design agency helping better brands grow and scale their impact. On today's episode, we're speaking with Stephen Clift, CEO of Good Carts, about the power of technology, community, and purpose.
0: Hey, I'm Steve Clift. I'm the CEO of Good Carts. We're a cross-promotional engine for shop for good and sustainable brands. We have over 150 members that are cross-promoting to each other post-purchase on Shopify, WooCommerce, and other e-commerce platforms.
1: Awesome. Thanks for joining me, Stephen. I'm excited to share what you're doing with the community, partly because, you know, it's similar to what we're doing. We're just trying to help a bunch of brands grow together and to kind of scale good collaboratively. And that's a lot of what GoodCarts is doing. So, so hopefully by the end of this episode, you get a handful of more members on
0: the platform. That'd be great. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: Before we dive too much into carts, though, I, I also like to dig into little backstories. And as I was digging around in your LinkedIn profile, I was noticing that you spent a lot of time in your earlier days in kind of political science and democracy kind of work from, you know, education through some of your early companies that you either founded or or worked with. So, I'm curious, what drew you into the kind of democracy work in the first place?
0: So, we're going to go back in time a bit. You know, I was that scrawny bucktooth kid that, you know, would get pushed down the stairs with a full bag of, you know, your last day bag of... Books, you know, and, and papers you're going to take home and boom, scattered all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Right. It felt, you know, in some ways, you know, uh, they'll be, you know, someone who has many benefits and advantages in life, you know, kind of what injustice felt like. Right. And I remember in ninth grade, I was on the B squad for basketball and I uh, sat on the bench and played maybe two minutes. And I went up to my coach and I said, you know, it's just not fair that I only get to play three minutes on B squad. And he looked at me and he was the first adult to ever tell me the truth. He said, life isn't fair. <laughs> right? <laughs> nice, it kind of yeah. like dashed like, like, oh, wait a minute. T- up to this point, everyone told me the, you know, the world should be good and all these things. But this is the moment where I'm like, wait a minute. Well, it should be fair was kind of my reaction. And it happened to be in that same age that I got involved in a program called Youth in Government. Whereas you know, high school kids, basically, we got to take over the state capitol and learn how to make eat mm-hmm. Bills and legislation, and kind of get a sense about like you know how democracy works, and that kind of like set the seeds for me to like say, hey, how do you make the world a fairer place? How do you make the world a better place? And I just kept pushing and pushing, and you know, fast forward like through college, got involved in all kinds of political activities, and actually finished my college career. I was actually an intern for then Senator Joe Biden way back in (laughs) 1989, right? To give you a sense of (laughs) over 50, right? So it was you know just a great chance as a, you know, a kid from Minnesota, to be in the Capitol, get a sense about how things work there, but also sort of turn away from it instead of say, you know, I'm not so interested as in much in all this partisanship, even though I'd worked on campaigns and I worked in the Minnesota State Senate for a state senator for a while. I began getting interested in sort of nonpartisan models of youth engagement and just civic engagement in general.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I saw that there's uh, a lot of different democracy stuff in the back in your background, but I didn't know you'd done some work with Biden or other people.
0: Well, so what happened was, is, is like 92, 90, well, basically 92 right after the election, but 93 mostly, I got online in grad school. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be the most powerful medium in politics ever. Now, I sort of correct that instead of say, well, actually, it's still television. But nonetheless, <laughs> yeah. like the internet is huge when it comes to organizing, right? And communicating in groups. And so that's, you know, what led me to, take it further where I decided, you know, what the heck, let's like figure out how to get election information online. And I helped start a nonprofit with with citizens that created the world's very first election information website back in 1994 called Minnesota E-Democracy. Now it's e-democracy.org. It's still out there and I've definitely cut my teeth in terms of the whole technology for good movement.
1: Nice. Yeah. I saw that you founded that organization and that, like you said, it's still out there, but you've been kind of involved to some degree for a while. So, you were kind of pioneering in kind of the tech and democracy kind of world, which is really cool to hear. I mean, I think, like you said, obviously, TV advertisements are super powerful still, but like maybe Facebook, maybe, you know, voter guide websites or whatever are rivaling to some degree those kind of TV experiences for some people. And I would say in this most recent election, like, or the last couple, like Facebook might have been even more powerful in my opinion, because it just like separated people by who they click on, what they like, et cetera. And then everyone got into these bubbles thinking that, that everyone thinks the same way they do. And like, what are these weird people saying? Like, what, how can they say that? Aren't they seeing all this stuff in their feed? But that's exactly the problem. Like they aren't. So websites well, where people actually, can read yep. all the same stuff without it being filtered are powerful tools. Just how do we get more people to those websites, right?
0: You know, I have some somber, some sadness, if you will, about where the internet and politics has gone. You know, I saw it as a fundamentally empowering medium the ability for people to organize and communicate in groups. And today, obviously, we're flooded by misinformation and what happens when you have extremes spread over a large geography using the net, you know, and this one half of 1% of folks that get together that really exploit the technology, if you will, in a way that clouds everything. Right. And, you know, what we did with e democracy is instead of like I went global, like I spoke across thirty-five countries about democracy in the internet. It was a great time, right? I spent over a, a decade subsidizing it with my consulting and speaking, okay. nonprofit. And I had a decade of grants. But ultimately, like going local is where it was at, right? That's where you could actually have more accountability. But also we actually used real names a decade before Facebook and we found that real names were key to giving you power. But also they were key to self-censorship. Like right? if you said things that like your neighbors might think badly of, you maybe didn't say them in the first place. Yeah. And so that was one of the key things is that like the internet and di- political dialogue and like doesn't scale very well nationally, but it can be super empowering in local communities everywhere. And I, I sort of I joke, but I basically say we we you know edemocracy.org is an organization, as a nonprofit. We lost the battle, but we won the war, right? Meaning you know, you expect today that you can go online and of course you can connect with people in your community. Talk to your neighbors, talk to people about city politics, talk about politics, you know, elections. You expect that. In 1994, people had no idea that you could even do that, right? I actually had to explain like how fax machines, you know. Well, imagine you had a a fax machine that would actually send through the fax once and instead of having to send it through, you know, 300 times to talk to 300 different people, you could send it through once and it would automatically you know, send a fax to 300 people, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's group, you <laughs> yeah. know, email lists. i kind describing how email lists work with the fax machine, right? So that was really early. Um, and, you know, part of my dual personality was that I, you know, did a lot of hands-on locally. I raised a million dollars from grants to do online neighborhood forums in low-income, oh, wow. high-immigrant neighborhoods of St. Paul. And we actually had an outreach team that spoke 10 different languages over two summers going door-to-door. Wow. I mean, who goes door-to-door to build online groups? But that's what we did to try to make it more inclusive, do more bridge-building, you know? And so that whole idea of, like, connecting people across differences, that's where e-democracy's role was. And, you know, we honestly, we need it more than ever before to connect people that way. It's just that, you know... Honestly, like you know, Nextdoor raised a half a billion dollars to do neighborhoods online. Facebook now is investing in neighborhoods online. It was hard as a nonprofit to compete with that when all the capital was going into commercial models that were honestly more oriented toward like a gated community model and connecting the homeowners than, like, connecting the renters and the immigrants and the native born. But it is what it is. There's still more good than bad in that space. But you know, time to move on is basically what happened to I me. Mean, yeah, that makes sense.
1: I noticed that you were also kind of a founder, maybe facilitator, moderator or something like that of a couple of Facebook communities as well. Were those built as part of e-democracy or was that kind of part of these kind of neighborhood, more local focus groups?
0: Well, so basically the same tools you would use to talk to people across your community are the same tools you can connect with people who have like minds globally. So just like now, you have all these different platforms for online communities of practice. You know, I started with listservs, email lists, created the thing called the Democracy's Online Newswire. Everywhere I'd speak, I would actually host little meetups. And then I would say, hey, join my mailing list. And people would send me stuff and I'd pass it out. And this was before blogging became big as well, before Twitter. Just, I, I joke that I talk about how Twitter disintermediated me. Initially, everybody who talked about democracy on the internet, they would send me stuff and I would pass it along. I was kind of like mini famous in the 1990s. Nice. <laughs> you know. And then this things moved along. I would say everybody has a more democratic voice, but I run a civic technology. If you search Facebook for like civic technology and open government, I have a Facebook group of about seven thousand people. And you know my view is that each generation that comes into the use of technology for good, they tend to settle into the medium of the time. So I, I'm sure there's a WhatsApp group out there. There's probably a Snapchat group out there. You know whatever technology you are, you kind of have the folks in that age. And so you know I did email lists, I did Facebook groups, and someone else is going to help create the next. Set of groups that are trying to connect tech for good people in the next popular group platform.
1: Nice. Yeah. And you're still actively involved in those groups?
0: Yes. I mean, a lot of the Civic Tech Facebook group is kind of on autopilot. It just kind of works. You know, some Facebook groups work, right? And the key for an online group, and like obviously with your Evolve CPG group, we traded notes about this, but I say basically when people are willing to ask questions in the community, with the idea that, you know what, I think I'm going to get a good response. And so that's when the community has a sense of group ownership over the space. And actually with Good carts, which I'll talk more about, I mean, we actually created, we went out and found like a hundred groups in this space and a lot of them are dead Facebook groups, <laughs> but there's also some great Slack channels and other groups. But our whole idea there was like, goodcartsco slash groups. And then we just link to all the ones. And there's about a dozen or so that I think I have a lot of vibrancy. And so it's a bit of an art, but creating the spaces where people can connect and belong, if they're trying to make change or do something different, that's hugely empowering and super nice. beautiful.
1: I have a couple other questions in a different tangent, but before I go there, do you have any tips? I know a lot of brands these days are trying to do more community kind of building work. It's becoming kind of one of the new phases of marketing or something like that. But, you know, to bring people... People have always been part of your brand, like what people think of you or what people say about you. But I think brands are starting to get more intentional about it. Like let's invite them in. Let's co-design. Let's like hear what they have to say. But based on that, do you have any tips for brands or, you know, even just missions that are trying to organize around building community?
0: Yeah. I mean, even if you're like a retail brand and you want to host some engagement, or if you're trying to like, you're a trade association and trying to do something similar where you're connecting your members or something. I mean, the key thing is to not trust the technology. <laughs> so a lot of people sort of think still build it, they will come. You send out the notice, Everybody try, everyone at the same time is coming there and seeing that nobody's posted. And so that whole process of how you open an online community, no matter the technology, is really challenging, right? And so you kind of always plan it like you would a physical conference and do things behind the scenes to sort of like, one of my big things no matter the platform, I do rounds of introductions. I recruit as many people as I can, let's say 100 is a critical mass for just dialogue. So if you have 100 people, like 10 of them are actually willing <laughs> yeah. to talk. Right. And so if you start with like 10, you got one person who's willing to talk and no one's going to reply. Right. So you really got to think about like, how do you get people in there. And then by seeding it with rounds of introductions are key because there are a lot of folks who will introduce themselves that will never say anything ever again, but they'll still be there, right? And it's the fact that they're there that'll motivate the talkers and the sharers to like actually use the space because they've seen, oh, there's bodies here. There's people engaging, you know? So that's one key thing. The other thing that like with Good carts we've been doing is we've decided not to create our own online groups in this case because there are already enough of them out there in this space, if you will. But we've decided to do more and more live meetups you know, some Zoom meetups and we've also doing, you know, bringing in guests and then including in that format, lots of peer-to-peer exchange. And so, you know, that's kind of one way that we're kind of going to the parade. We're going to those communities. We're saying, come on in this time, this day, you know, and then with each event, we're growing sort of our our list, our announcement list, like, come on into the next one, right? And then we've also partnered with uh, Social Venture Circle. Actually, it's merged now. It's the American uh, Sustainable Business Network. And with them, we've done an event on impact retail and, you know, the whole idea was like, creating lots and lots of small groups where people could have good discussions. And the last thing I'll just say is that if you do an online event, say it has time limits have someone who's like there to summarize it and create a little report on what was suggested or proposed and almost like journalistically cover your event and then distribute that widely through different channels. And that'll motivate people to actually go, oh, I got, you know, it's kind of like when you're a kid and maybe you got in your local, if you're in a smaller town, you got in your (laughs) local (laughs) newspaper, right? Same kind of thing, right? Oh, you know, I said something and they quoted me. Oh my God, I was, it's almost like I was in the New York Times, but it was just, you know, your little report that went to the the right... 5,000 people, but that'll motivate people to participate.
1: All right. So, there's some awesome tips. Thanks for sharing that. So, the other question I wanted to get to and and the reason I held off on it is because I'm not entirely sure if it's related to this community stuff and democracy, e-democracy, but I noticed that you're an Ashoka fellow. Can you explain to the community like what is an Ashoka fellow and kind of what did that entail? Was that related to e-democracy somehow?
0: Yeah. So I became an Ashoka Fellow because I introduced the idea of the online civic commons, the online group where you can yes. talk about politics uh, in, in communities and community issues, right? So that, you know, this is like, to, like most people would be like, well, duh, right? <laughs> well, it wasn't, oh, duh, in the 90s. And, and so, I, you know, I was honored to be recognized as an Ashoka Fellow. It's ashoka.org, by the way. Um, and that was for my nonprofit work. So basically they, they recognize nonprofit founders. And a key thing about fellows is they basically have to have a new model or a new solution, if you will, but also really really be kind of in that mode where they're seeking to share it and to scale that idea. Now, it might not be that they're going to be a franchise and take over the world with their model. It may be that they're just sharing lessons. But it really, you know, they have like this whole rigorous process you go through. And that was kind of what I I was all about, right? I went local with eDemocracy and doing like hands-on work. But I actually worked for the British government helping like create guidebooks on how to do these things and the like. Because they wanted, they had a big eDemocracy program over there in the mid-2000s. The first decade of the 2000s. And so, I really, you know, that was part of my nature, right? You know, just sharing and scaling and making sure that, you know, the idea could go further.
1: Nice. Okay. And that's cool. It's good to hear that exists. That program, I assume, still goes on. So, if there's any nonprofit leaders out there listening to check out that program.
0: Check it out. Yeah. You know, one thing I also mentioned, like, you know, I just want to share this story because, you know, when I had the, honestly, I mean, the total privilege to like travel the world and speak to people and connect people, you know, to be that, I was called the Johnny Appleseed of Democracy Online at one point, you know, is I am up going to some pretty far flung places. And, you know, I think it's important to note that like anybody who's doing anything that's notable, if you will, and a lot of people, obviously, listeners of this group are doing, make sure you like let people know you're a presenter or you can speak or you have a presentation or whatever, you know, I got invited to Mongolia of all places (laughs) for an entire week to like help Mongolia create a whole, Digital democracy plan. And this was actually when they only had a 256 kilobit satellite connection via Hong Kong for the entire country. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then toward the end of my speaking career, if you will, I still you know will speak here and there about digital democracy. But uh, a few years ago, actually, maybe it's like seven years ago now, before Gaddafi uh, was ousted <laughs> of Libya, I was actually invited to Libya to give speeches about. Digital democracy, and I did right, you know, and that was quite the far-flung place. So you never really know where your lessons or ideas can have value, and so being an Ashoka Fellow sort of kind of helped build up that platform for me to also then get you know further recognition, to be able to engage and share lessons widely. So I and I take that into good cards too—that whole sort of global perspective and thinking about how what we're doing here locally in the in North America could then also have an impact around the world.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's the benefit of doing these doing things online is that it can spread, right? Like, like there's something still very powerful about local in-person events, like in this industry, like Expo West is coming up again soon. And hopefully everyone's going to be, things are going to be back to normal. There's not some weird COVID spike (laughs) that prevents it, but there is something powerful about that. But then to your point, like when you're available online or your personality, your persona, your information's online. It can spread far and wide and you never know where one of those opportunities might take you, right? Next thing you know, you're working with people halfway across the world or you're being invited to speak to something or something like that. So, I like, you know, kind of tying it back to building community. Do it both online and offline.
0: Someone's going to take your idea and prove upon it. Yeah, that makes sense. take it further.
1: Well, speaking of helping kind of people connect and like what you've been doing for most of your career around um building these online communities and platforms and forums and so on and so forth. You're still doing that, but now you've kind of shifted into a different industry, I guess, instead of focusing around democracy, <laughs> you're focusing on...
0: They call it your second career. <laughs> and number two. Uh, yeah, that's it's right. Like, yeah.
1: It's a second career, but also like continuous, you know, you're still doing a lot of online community and and helping people kind of thrive together, but it's with a different focus. So, tell me how that kind of transition, how that second phase of your career worked out.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, 2016, uh, honestly, with the election of now former President Trump, it was sort of the final nail in the coffin for our nonprofit work to build bridges across differences online. It needed more than ever before, but there was really no appetite, particularly in the foundation world, to sort of fund the kind of work that we were doing. We still did pledge drives and, and you know, still run our core infrastructure with donations. But for the most part, like being able to support a family in this space and do it kind of the right way versus like doing red meat politics, you know, I wanted to do things the right way. And so I was looking for the next big thing to be honest, and a lot of soul searching and I'm very thankful for that my wife had a very good job and healthcare and all those kinds of things. And that my children were doing well, all that kind of jazz. But you know, you do some soul searching. And so I was reconnecting with a guy named Chris Dykstra. And Chris is the CEO and founder of a software development company called Weircorp. And I've known him for over 15 years. And we were just connecting. And I said, you know what, I need to become a digital door knocker. Someone, oh, like nice. yeah. <laughs> all right it's time for me to help someone with their mission with their efforts you know adapt my skills and he said well you know what let me show you something and he pulled out his laptop and he gave me this demo of the alpha of good cards and i'll explain what it is in a second but i'll just say i was like ah wow this oh, could nice. work yeah. Right. This could really work. And I've, you know, in in a lot of technology for good work that I've done, you know, I'm often telling people about basically keep your day job, <laughs> <laughs> you know, figure out how you can make your money and then do good on the side. And when I looked at good cards, I thought, you know what? It's like embedding goodness in the core of the model. And as it scales, it should generate revenue in a way that makes it sustainable. So I really jumped into this, right? This is over three years ago now. And, you know, so I basically took it out of its alpha into a beta, and, you know? And so like, here it is, like, here's the good cards in a nutshell, you know, it's a cross-promotional network of purpose-driven e-commerce brands. Basically, online stores are cross-promoting each other. Again, I'll go deeper into that, but you know, when Chris showed me that, I said, "You know, I think I can make this work." And so I just dug in, <laughs> learned everything I could, and basically, technology for good, in my view, is now meeting e-commerce rather than, than meeting democracy. And so, you know, it fits with my sense of purpose and mission, you know, and back then we had in the beta, we had about 20 brands that we had recruited in the network to test it out. And then a year ago, a year and a half ago, actually, now we launched our Shopify app version, which made it that much easier for stores to join. We now have a WooCommerce plugin as well. So it's, you know, the technology side is super easy for brands. And we now have 150 members in our shop for good network. And then we also have a black owned network. Uh, We're doing some work with Operation Hope out of Atlanta. They have a partnership with Shopify to help uh, basically empower 1 million black owned businesses in the next decade. And so we're doing it. We're co branding basically a, a network with them. We haven't even announced that yet. <laughs> Press release is coming soon. And we have an entrepreneurs network, which is basically kind of a catch all place for people who aren't selling nasty stuff, but basically celebrating small business. It's actually a bigger network, but it, honestly, it has much less traffic than a purpose driven network. And we have a D2C sort of, let's call it D2C originals so are celebrating, you know, original design and the sustainability that comes from not shipping your stuff, you know, from the warehouse to the person. You actually can go right from the company to a person and so on and so forth. So, it's been, you know, it's a pretty exciting model and I'd be glad to answer more questions and dig into the details. I'll even show you. I'll yeah, show it off. Love though. it.
1: Like I said, you you still took your kind of community building, your internet background, the idea of kind of bringing a bunch of people together to help each other or, or to work with each other towards some better future. It's all still there. Now you've just shifted into this kind of e-commerce thing. But I also like that, you know, previously you were working on democracy stuff, which which a lot of it has to do with like voting, like get your voice heard or whatever. And I think nowadays consumers are voting with their dollars and trying to vote for better companies or, or yes. uh, better businesses or better products <laughs> or better whatever. And so you're basically helping them... Get more votes, essentially, you know they find one company they really love, they buy a product, they check out, and then they're offered these discounts to a bunch of companies maybe they don't know about yet, and they can kind of extend that vote and go and kind of add more dollars and, and vote for more great companies and great people who are trying to change the world.
0: Two hundred percent, yes, that's exactly right. it's you know we're basically empowering people, you and I to shop our values and we are voting with our dollars and it's going to become ever so more important that people have the opportunity, but we have honestly kind of a discovery and convenience problem, right? You know, one of the first blog posts I wrote up was liar, liar, sustainable stats, shopping stats (laughs) on fire. (laughs) And, you know, I'd run into this survey, you know, survey after survey that basically says people are willing to pay more for sustainable products. And basically, everybody wants to say the right thing when they get interviewed. And there was one survey from 2015 that basically said, well, are you willing to pay more? And 66% said, yes. This is a global survey uh, across like 10 countries. And then they said, are you doing it now? (laughs) (laughs) And 10% said, yes. Right? And so, there's this gap. It's like the intentions gap of like 50% or more there's another study that came out it was a field study and i I really like this one it's from germany and maybe we can find out we can put a link in the show notes but it's basically they put fair trade coffee and regular coffee on the shelves in a german store and then researchers had control over the price and they basically found you know based on real world activity only when the fair trade coffee was the same price as the traditional coffee did it go off the shelf at a higher rate than the other coffee. And so what that sort of said was when there was price parity, ethics wins. But to expect that somehow you can just charge 20% more premium all the time, at least to give people to try your product for the first time, you might be diluted. And I think it's, you know it suggests to me that we got to do whatever we can to get new first-time customers to help new brands get discovered or sustainable brands that have been well established get discovered by new customers and that's where the whole discounting comes into play it's not you're cheapening your brand it's that you're basically saying hey try me once i'll give you a discount so it gets you know, close to what it maybe you'd pay if you're paying full price for the, the unethical kill the earth version, but try it and then you're going to discover the higher quality, the better consumer experience, all the kinds of values that can come from having a more ethically sustainably made product, you know, and then this is the key thing, then our members, once they get a new first-time customer, have that opportunity for a repeat customer and a direct one, not one that gives 20% to Amazon, but a direct customer right Beautiful. to the store.
1: It reminds me a little bit of uh, social nature, which is somebody we've had on the podcast before, where the philosophy is trying to get as many people to try new brands, better for the world brands as possible. And and their method is the same, like, well, let's offer them a discount or a free product or whatever to motivate them to try something new. And then hopefully you give uh, a review and, and the brand gets feedback. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but what you're doing here with this model is instead of me having to go and join social nature and become a member and then apply for different products, which, which is cool. They're building out a pretty big community of people that are interested in that model. But with what you're doing, the consumer doesn't have to go anywhere in particular. They just have to happen to buy something from a brand they love that's part of good carts. And then they just automatically get displayed with these other options, which is is cool. I like that you're both kind of doing something similar, but taking different approaches and covering all the bases really.
0: I spoke with their founder recently and just to understand like, oh, okay. So basically, you, you know, you sign up, you get a coupon, essentially, that you would take to a physical store that's trying to get that product moving from that store, right? In a good way. And so it's like a win-win, right? If you tend to, if you go to stores anyway, but you're right, our model is completely online and it's a different twist on it. But any kind of model that like kind of like captures like a moment, right? And does something different, I love them. And that's what I loved about when I got, saw the Good carts demo. I'm like, what a win, win, win. I mean, basically like, you know, you get a new customer as a brand. As a customer, you actually get a little bit of a discount, right? But you also get, you know, a more sustainable product. And then sort of the only loser in that model is, you know, Facebook, Google, and Amazon, right? I mean, so instead of giving our margin and bidding against each other to reach new customers, we're recycling some of that post-checkout traffic. And you know, we've used the phrase sort of web exhaust, right? So most of our stores, you know, prospective stores, don't realize they have something of huge value. And that is that moment that someone looks at the receipt and closes it. In fact, if it's okay, can I just show that little moment?
1: Yeah, go ahead.
0: All right, so let me do that. And I'll just share the screen here.
1: So, for those of you listening to audio only, if you pop over to YouTube and subscribe to our Evolve CPG over there, you can see the video versions of these interviews, discussions. And in case a speaker's ever, you know, sharing a screen, you can see it there, but we'll do our best to describe it here for listeners as well.
0: Okay, so let me show off then sort of how good cards work. So imagine that you're in a receipt. So if you're a member of our network, we have like 150 stores in our Shop for Good network. They all have this little thank you message that they customize in their receipt, all pointing to our page of discounts where then your store can be discovered by other Shop for Good stores. So basically, the consumer presses click for good, or click here to choose, and boom, here you go. It's a brand discovery moment. And so folks go through and say, okay, what am I interested in? Right now, most of it's random. Some of the stores that send us more traffic the day before are up top here, and we have a featured coupon. So what's kind of radical about Good Cards is it's actually free to join, and the coupon views are free. The visitors Are free, and then with COVID we dropped our commission model. So like new customers are free. Isn't that crazy? Well, if you want though to be the future discount, we do have a paid option there. We're beginning to sort of do some other options, but the whole idea is that you're going to exchange that traffic, and I'll give Dean some love. They're actually it's a very activist fair trade coffee brand out of East Coast, and so people just go in they. Pop in an email address. If they want to get, a, get our newsletter and get future discounts, they can as well. Just discovered that over, you know, over half the people that look at this actually click on that. So that's pretty exciting for us. That's a new thing. And then you say, hey, send me a discount. And not only is it in the email, you get a discount uh, sent to your email, you can just use it right now. And then boom, you go off and then you can you know, shop and find your discount. There we go. There's teeth beans. So anyway, well, uh, I'll stop my screen share now. But that's kind of gives you a little sense of like how simple it is. Yeah.
1: Just buy something you already love, and then you know, click a button, and you see a bunch of very visual kind of tiles of other brands you might love, and you get a discount for giving them a try. So super instant gratification as well, because you can just use that discount <laughs> right away if you want, uh, which is pretty cool. And you mentioned that. Yeah. You're,
0: yeah. I'd say 80% of the people that like actually like, just go right away and start shopping right away. And I say to prospective brands, are you interested in reaching conscious consumers in a buying mood with their credit card still out? Because that's like a good audience, <laughs> and obviously it's a fabulous audience. And it's you know, so it's very different than traditional advertising. We're reaching people in at the right moment, and then they obviously we do a lot of vetting, right? You know, and so I say no to brands all the time that try to sneak in, if you will, to the good circle. And I say actually, you know, you fit more in this circle instead. And as other brands, we just say, you know, you just don't fit on. Good carts, so it's important to actually, you know, build that trust, particularly of our member brands, because you are sending traffic. I mean, they are your exiting customers, but also just to make sure that you know we've done a little due diligence and really, you know, create a quality experience for people who use good carts. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. And one question I was going to ask is, you've mentioned circles a couple of times, of like black-owned circles or entrepreneur circles or different things like that. Is that something that when a brand signs up for good carts and you know builds this experience into their e-commerce website, do they choose which circle they're going to be in? So for example, if they are a black owned business and they're like, you know what? I want to feature other black owned businesses. So when somebody clicks on my, you know, get an offer button, they're only going to see other black owned businesses. Is that how it works?
0: It is fundamental that we connect to the mission and purpose of the founder of the brand, right? And so, yes, they propose which circle they'd like to be in. It's really, I would not put someone in a different circle without talking to them if they basically said they are interested in Black-owned, but they, we thought they're also a good sustainable brand. We do have a situation where they propose they join the Shop for Good circle. They don't even have an about section, you know, to explain their sustainability or their various, you know, commitments to charity, and so that then we just would just assign you to the Entrepreneurs Network, and that's just that's you know we don't have time to talk to everybody if you will but at least in terms of like the higher level purpose-driven spaces you choose and so the thing is like the shopify app as well as woocommerce you just like like minutes install it right i mean honestly in shopify app you can install an app app in 30 seconds and then the first thing you're asked is what circle do you want to be part of and then you get the next step is like upload an image for your your discount type in the text what do you want percentage off dollar amount tell us about your mission push save. So in like 15 minutes, a brand could actually be a member of Good Cards. Now I have to go through and review it. Once they have a discount is when I review the stores as well. So make sure you do create a discount because then it's only worth our time to look at you when you're serious. And that way, you know, we can kind of get a better sense of what you're about and then boom, you're ready to go. And so it's that easy. Now, our biggest challenge, like initially when we were in the beta phase, it's like, if you own a store, you know, you're getting contacted 10 times a day with somebody... Sh- pitching some other widget some program some service and what's snake oil and what's not and so you know obviously now we have more stores coming to us we do some advertising but it's kind of flipped over right where like the word is getting out there but initially like you know really just getting the word out building trust hugely important and also hugely challenging as something that somebody who has a a new brand a new model a startup if you will but we're certainly you know. Still have a lot, a lot of folks that ever heard about us that, that should know about us. And, you know, we certainly want to find different ways through partnerships and others to get through yes. this.
1: Well, in that case, since you're kind of talking about some of the challenges, what are the goals? What does the future look like for Good Cards? You said you're at like 150, I think, members at the moment. In our main What's the ultimate goal or, or do you yes. plan to add more features or just grow what you've got? Like, where are you headed?
0: So, number one, there's no reason this can't scale to tens of thousands of brands you know, at least we're focused initially on stores that are selling to North America with standard shipping, but you know, it's a big wide world out there. And, you know, we do know that one of the reasons we have our entrepreneur circle is we know that if we don't cover most of e-commerce, someone with much deeper Mm -hmm. pockets is going to come in and just basically, you know, cleave off all but the purpose driven space, if you will. And how is that sustainable when this approach is not, you know, widely used, but so that's one of the reasons we're creating these different circles to sort of like, figure out how to reach a broad cross section of e-commerce and find the good in different versions. One of my goals is honestly is to begin promoting our sustainable brands that provide wholesale. A member of our brand members also do drop shipping, right? And so we do a lot of content marketing. We're getting ready to do an article on like how to, you know, how to drop ship sustainable products. And it'd be great if they joined us after they figure that out, but like how do we actually like move the needle even if we have different versions of good in different circles? You know, in terms of other places to go, so like a big deal here is like, if we know, which we can roughly from Shopify in particular, we can actually know like, where's the store based and where do they ship to? right? And you combine that information with, from the browser, people can opt in for this. Basically, you know, tell us where you're located down to the zip code pretty much, or at least by the city. We can basically match make people. And so we have the ability over time to add a by local filter which we think is hugely important, right, to support local small businesses. It's much more sustainable to actually have the option to go pick it up across town or to just, like, you know, uh, get it shipped, you know, from the shelves from a store two miles away rather than having it shipped from, drop ship from China or wherever, right? And, you know, we have the ability then to, you know, not only be by local, but also then, like, help you be able to reach products in a global sphere, right? It's like, so maybe it isn't standard shipping from the small artisan groups out in the Pacific islands. We've talked to folks in those circles like that are trying to help artisans like sell directly online. And I mean, I, I love fair trade stores. Don't, don't get me wrong. Right. But you know, why not make it more possible for artisans handmade goods to be shipped directly from, Far field as well. And so there's going to be a lot of different kinds of ways to empower people and match make people on a very global basis. And that's the way we can go, basically, you know, go good globally, if you will, rather than just going deep with just traditional e commerce. Nice.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And as you were describing, or as you were talking earlier, I was thinking, oh, a local filter could be a really cool option for some businesses too. So that makes sense that that might be something that could be coming. But then I was also thinking in terms of other audiences. Like people who do crafts or art or different things like that, having like an art circle or a craft circle because, you know, if you're in the mode for buying art and then you can find a bunch of other artists that you might love, you know, why not? That would be great. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, we're huge fans of Sezzle, which is the most ethical B Corp oriented, you know, paying installment package out there. They're B Corp, right? They're actually based, also based in our home city of Minneapolis. And they're actually going to include us in a newsletter nice. to 40,000 of their stores, right? So it's really exciting. And I thought, okay, what are the circles I've always talked about that I just got to get put in place now? And then part of that was the D2C Originals group, but we also started an artisan's handmade circle as well, where you know you the artisan are selling the products that you make directly and I think that's a super important circle and on that buy local filter it always says buying local is also you know buying made we have a made in USA circle so being able to like you know do that and I've had some chats with Shopify and I you know suggested well if they ever wanted to work with governments and other parts of the world they were trying to say you know promote made in Singapore or made in this country or made in that country we'd love to help support that kind of thing New Mexico they have an awesome called New Mexico true and it's a state government state tourist agency is created like a market marketplace of basically all kind of like the the locally made tourist goods that you see in the shops. They have like an online site for that. I think every state should have a made in Minnesota, made in Wisconsin type, type of site. But also, we could imagine networks like that. And the key for us is like, who has trusted relationships with networks of e-commerce brands. And then how do we then connect with them in a way that then allows them to invite in? So that's what's exciting about working with Operation Hope, right? I mean, all these folks are getting free training and some free Shopify access uh, for like like a four month project or four months of free Shopify. If you go through the Operation Hope training, so dot org slash 1MBB for 1 million black businesses. And they're going to be promoting us in their training. Like, well, Cards is one of the things you should join after you, get, you know, get your store open. And we did a webinar with them recently. And when black-owned businesses join us directly, they may have never heard about that project. We're going to be promoting them. So we're looking for relationships like that, that allow us to create the win-wins. Because as I said, like you know, breaking through with new brands takes a lot of effort. And we'd love to work with more trusted networks.
1: Yes, yeah, that's, that's great. Awesome idea, especially like the you know local kind of collections, like the made in like I know there's like a, a store in the Seattle airport that's made in Washington, right? And so people love, especially when they're going in and out of a city, to be able to find stuff made by people in that city. But I'm just picturing like on a tourism website where I'm I'm researching a city that I want to go visit. There there could be a page for. Oh, you can buy stuff made by local craftsmen or local artists or local restaurants, you know, whatever. But a landing page that's basically a good carts offers kind of discount offers page. Then I could kind of have another way to engage and experience all these different brands that you're featuring as opposed to just having to have gone through an individual brands checkout process. So lots of cool stuff.
0: Yeah, and one interesting thing to note, like, so like people often ask us if we're a marketplace, and I say, well, we're not, right? You know, we're not even a directory, although we weren't a directory. Now we kind of have a directory. So we actually created a member showcase. about 50 of our brands that filled out an extensive profile. It's actually geared like founder to founder, to, like to tell your impact story. But if you're like a conscious consumer, you're interested in like getting the backstory, it's like a really great resource. And so. One of the things we thought about is that well, folks that might be doing marketplaces, we say, well, you know, that's a lot of effort, and then how do you get people there? And you have know, to advertise it. You know, how do you get traffic? And so, if you have like, you can't answer that question, like, how do I get traffic other than advertising? Well, maybe instead, create a good card circle co-branded with you know with us, and we could work it out so that those you know fifty stores in your network are helping each other out, and you know while we did toss commissions out at the core, we are beginning to build in some additional revenue ideas. So like one of the ideas maybe be a media partner where you know you sign up for their newsletter and as a perk, you get a discount. You give a donation to charity, as a perk, you get a discount. And so we're having conversations. And in those cases, our stores would opt in to get extra traffic. There would be a commission or a fee. There'll be different pricing options. So it'd be like bonus traffic because it's not coming from their checkout. It's coming from elsewhere. And so that's one of the ways that we're looking to. To create additional wins for our members' brands is to bring in traffic, people opt-in. But also, in this case, you know, if we do it right with, with like local newspapers that have lots of local relationships with advertisers, you know, we can really create some exciting win-wins with that area and help that newspaper generate some revenue online and help good cars as well. And then, obviously, most important is generating new customers, in this case, in a local market.
1: Nice. Yeah, that's beautiful. It seems like there's just so many different Ways you could move forward, which is beautiful. And we've made some progress over the.
0: One of my lessons is everything is. Possible, just not probable. But I actually see a lot of probabilities <laughs> with good cards. Uh, and you know, obviously a challenge, you know, when you're rich in ideas is like, what do you prioritize? So this is actually where I want to give some extended kudos to our founder, Chris Dykstra, right? I mean, we have had patient capital, if you will, to build out good cards, to build it out the right way. We are plotting to spin it out as, as its own standalone B Corp, most likely, and then likely bring on some additional investors to help scale this thing up when it's time to really go big. And, you know, by having, you know, his. Sort of... St- vision and sort of steady support. Now, obviously, when you're part of a software development company, that means we've had really r- relatively reasonable access to technology skills. But we've really pushed the, you know, the gas recently by having dedicated staff, not just between projects, you know, paying projects, but now actually dedicated developers. So that's why we've been having a lot more innovation coming through our pipeline and adding the WooCommerce plugin and the like. But, you know, that's just been key to us is to like do it right, have that time. But now it is really time for us to uh, pick, and choose those next innovations that make it, because we got rid of commissions, make it sustainable as we scale it. And obviously it's, you know, make money. (laughs) Really important for sustainability.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's one of the pillars of sustainability is economic sustainability, right? You've got to be able to keep your business going so that you can help all these other businesses scale their business. With that said, you know, you've been doing this for a few years now. I'm curious to know if you have any, like, member success stories that kind of pop out or just maybe like tips for somebody that's wanting to come into their community and and kind of grow their e-commerce traffic? Like, are there any best practices or tips or anything like that that you can share?
0: Well, so obviously, a compelling product is important, like fundamentally important. We've seen some pretty interesting trends. So, Dean's Beans Coffee, Women's Bean Project, which actually soups, It's a nonprofit sort of workforce development that creates these wonderful soups are actually on the shelves in the Rocky Mountain area for Whole Foods. So they're pretty significant social enterprise. They have larger volume and, you know, they send a lot of traffic in. They obviously get our getting customers back, but one of the best winner or the biggest winners, if you will, in our network is a company called soaking up cloths. You know, they've gotten, they're getting close to a hundred free customers, paying customers via our network. And yeah, I, I joke people basically buy coffee, they spill their coffee and they buy these Swedish produced Norwex, claws that are printed on in Minnesota with various slogans and sayings, and they have also an innovation called Clards, where it's basically you know folded. What do you call it? Cards. Basically, they turn into washcloths. <laughs> that's great. Huh, nice. And so that's a great success story. There's something about their product that is really bringing people in. You know, while other stores, you know, maybe they need to improve like their discount a little bit. And actually, it's not so much how much you discount it. It's having a compelling featured image. And ultimately, I tell our members that come in. You know, get a good image that shows off your products. it's about products first, you know, and part of, I actually have this kind of this fear that like when we're going to add a search box, right because we have so many coupons on the network we have filtering and different things we're adding. that when we add a search box, everyone's just going to type in "Patagonia," <laughs> right Because the reality <laughs> is a lot of people yeah. just like want something they already trust and something they already know. We're actually trying to go against human nature to say, try something new, (laughs) right? You know, so getting that a new customer is actually easier said than done. So good image, a discount that is decent, but not, maybe not too high. (laughs) Some people think it's like, it must be just inflated. We do have some stores that just do uh, their clearance rack with us. We have some folks who do wholesale that have just a selection of good carts dedicated items, often clearance-oriented, because they don't want to undercut their brick-and-mortar partners, which makes a lot of sense, right? Because we're not in Google and you know, yet our discounts are earned, it's not very exposed. And so it's kind of a neat opportunity for folks that do wholesale that, you know, like I said, just can't have public discounts that are too deep out there. And, uh, but compelling image. And then uh, we have a thing called, a- you can A-B test. So basically create more than one discount, just change everything but the image. I'm sorry, change everything, change nothing but the image. <laughs> so the text is all the same, the discount is the same, just change the image. And so instead of paying Facebook a bunch of money to figure out which image works better, you can do it for free with us and ultimately then just run the discount or discounts that seem to run better you know, for you. And so that's an important way to win with good cards just to test and, and refine. We have about a 10.5% redemption rate for the discounts that are claimed with emails, which we think is... You know, quite high is good. And it was five, but we added the new design with the better images and the like. And so that was great to see. But if your redemption rate is below 10% of those that are claimed with an email, that's, a, we really encourage you to sort of reflect on what you're doing and, and take the time to maybe send people to a dedicated landing page, feature the product, which is a better seller and those types of things.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, I love that you mentioned You know how expensive it can be to do paid advertisements through Google or Facebook or or wherever else. And along that, included in that expense is having to figure out, well, is this headline working? Is this image working? And like, there's just so many variables and so much to try to figure out to optimize the performance of that ad. And all the while, you're paying a ton of money for it and maybe getting little to no traction on it, right? Because the market saturated and the price per click or the price per whatever is just going higher and higher and higher these days. So for people to have access to something like good carts for free is just amazing because not only are you going to send traffic to other companies that are awesome, but they're going to send traffic to you and you get some of the features that you were just talking about where you can kind of AB test your image or whatever else that actually will probably help you for your, own e-commerce website design too. Like once you realize what's working in the Good carts app, you probably have a better idea of what would kind of convert people on your own website too. So
0: our slogan is grow together, win together. And because we're fed by your post checkout traffic, we have every incentive in the world to help you win any way possible. So we're actually doing like a webinar in a couple of weeks on showcasing hippie feet and their Facebook ad strategies I and mean, how they've won with Facebook ads, actually. They've done really well. You know, I've heard a lot of horror stories for folks that, you know, are, are dipping their toes in and they went their budget, right? Because they just didn't have the, the right expertise or right ads or whatever it was. And they didn't have the ability to like spend a lot of money to learn. A lot of smaller purpose-driven brands, you know, are pretty skittish about, you know, Facebook ads now, other than retargeting, which obviously, with you know, with Google, cookies and things, cookies, there are going to be some changes that make it harder and harder to retarget your past customers. And so it's kind of fraught. So we're trying to do webinars, events. We do a ton on our blog. So we have like three new articles a month. You know, we're trying to like share knowledge on basically how to win with purpose-driven e-commerce. We have good guides and the like. And so we definitely, you know, I also love to showcase our members to other members around their lessons. That's great.
1: Well, it's awesome what you're doing and I think it's a great resource and I'm excited that it exists and I can't wait until I'm checking out on some brand that I love's website and I, I see the, the good cart option pop up so I can support other awesome brands too. So, thanks for doing what you're doing and for bringing all your you know, passion and background and kind of building online communities and helping people win together and collaborate. I think that kind of unique background that you're bringing tied together with this unique product or software product idea is is amazing. And the fact that you're giving it away for free is even more amazing. So so thanks for being part of that well, let's change. let all and,
0: shop for good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. No, thank you. I mean, it's been inspiring to work with the founders of the different brands that have joined our network and to also connect with the meta people like yourself that are connecting and serve a lot of these purpose driven brands. And the more we can all figure out, find ways to collaborate and win together, I think the more we can empower you know, millions of people, billions of people eventually, to shop their values and really honestly, like, turn the corner on climate change and all these different challenges that we face because, you know, that consumer demand for doing things differently, doing things better is a huge part of the equation.
1: Yeah, that fits in very much with what we've been doing, which is like this pursuit of better products, better brands, better leadership, but also with a similar kind of overall mission of just going further, faster together. Because if we kind of share all of our wisdom and our resources and our knowledge and everything, we can make, you know, better for the world products, the norm, which would actually solve a lot of the world's problems, including climate change. So I'm excited to be on this journey with you. So thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to share your story.
0: Thank you so much for having me today.
1: Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more innovator interviews, expert advice, and leadership discussions. If you like this episode, leave a heart, thumbs up, or review and share it with your colleagues. As an ever evolving show, we also love feedback. So send us your thoughts or ideas for who we should talk to next to evolve at modernspecies.com. Business can be a powerful force for good. Is your brand living up to its full potential? Go to evolvecpg.com to learn about our new impact workshop, Exponential Good. Over six weeks, we'll be thinking bigger, getting relevant, spreading throughout, going exponential, working backwards, and making it real so you can walk away with a clear vision and a detailed action plan for scaling your brand's positive impact exponentially.